Today's show is with two incredible musicians who are not only pioneers in their field of music, but are also creating music for the psychedelic experience. And we're fresh off of a debut from John Hopkins, who created an hour-long music for psychedelic therapy, which is absolutely stunning, and East Forest, who contributed to a crucial component of that album, a key song called Sitting Around the Fire with Ram Dass. And these guys are deep in both music and medicine and the curation of intentional space to allow us to experience the numinous, to experience the transcendent states that these medicines have been shown over and over to be able to provide, especially when you have guidance from music like these gentlemen are able to produce. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Worldview. And you might have heard me talk about Worldview before, but this is one of those experiences that is becoming available, which is really going to change the paradigm about how we look at the earth and how we look at space. This is stratospheric ballooning, where you get inside a capsule that floats up over 100,000 feet into the stratosphere using helium as the lift and propulsion system. And then you get to look down at some of the great sites of our planet the great barrier reef the grand canyon maybe you get to go through the aurora borealis there are so many incredible adventures to be had definitely check it out if you're interested this is a company that i'm involved with that i'm a part of and a wholehearted believer that it's important to start shifting perspective and it's not just the people who are in the capsule it's going to be the people streaming live from the capsules and really sharing a different perspective about the world, a world without borders, a world where you see the planet Earth as one being like it is, and all of us as cells supporting that being. As soon as cells of any being get out of order and just start reproducing and start doing things without coherence with the organism, well, that's dis-ease. And I think that's what we're experiencing on this planet right now and so hopefully as we see the organism as a whole we'll start to take care of our earth as a whole and i think worldview can really help with that help shift perspective and at the very least though it's going to be a hell of a fucking ride it's going to be beautiful amazing life-changing in many many different ways whether you're looking up at the stars or looking down at the earth for the many hours that you have in the capsule so check it out go to the whole world view.com that's the w-h-o-l-e worldview.com next up we have eight sleep now i've had the privilege of getting a lot of different mattresses and the advantage of that is i get to try out a lot of different mattresses and the latest one that i'm going to talk to you guys about is eight sleep because not only is eight sleep a dope mattress like some of the other mattresses that i've talked about but eight sleep also weaves in temperature regulation and this is something that is incredibly valuable because when we sleep we oftentimes will get hot and as we get hot that will often pull us out of our sleep rhythm our natural sleep rhythm i mean Normally, we were sleeping on the ground, and the ground would get cooler as night fell. And as the ground got cooler, we would fall deeper and deeper into sleep. And then as the earth started to warm, we would warm back up. So you can go down to as cool as 55 degrees, or look, 
if you really want to warm up your mattress because you're in a cold place, it can get as hot as 110 degrees. So the temperature regulation in the 8 Sleep Pod Pro is really awesome. And it's been cool to check that out. So if that sounds like something interesting to you, I mean, there's some great research. Eight sleep users falling asleep up to 32% faster, reducing sleep interruptions by 40%, getting more overall restful sleep. I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to eightsleep.com slash amp. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash amp. Check out the Pod Pro and you'll save $150 at checkout using the promo code AMP. Once again, 8sleep.com slash AMP to save $150 at checkout with the promo code AMP. Next up, we have the cold plunge. Now, the cold plunge is my cold plunge. It's what I use pretty much every day, and I'm cold plunging every day, sometimes multiple times a day. There is something about sliding in that cold water where it just focuses all of my extraneous thoughts. It's like I have this whole world of things going on in my mind and in my body, and all of a sudden, it just clarifies, condenses. And by the time I plug my nose and dive my head underwater, triggering the mammalian dive reflex and all of the physiological adaptations that come along with that, feeling my heart rate slow down, boom, 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 boom. Everything in life gets really simple and really clear. And I emerge from that a different person than when I walked in. And the cold plunge is a great option. It looks like a really nice luxury bathtub. It's filtered, it circulates, it's sanitized, it's ready to go whenever you want it. It's great for indoor or outdoor use. So definitely if you're into cold therapy or you're looking to get into it, this is an excellent option. Check out thecoldplunge.com slash pages slash amp or use the promo code amp for $111 off. Once again, thecoldplunge.com slash pages slash amp. And now an uninterrupted podcast with John Hopkins and East Forest. East Forest, John Hopkins, we did something pretty wild and incredible last night. You guys are both on the forefront of this new genre of thing, which is one part concert and one part absolute mind-bending cosmic ceremony. And we just did an example of that. And this is the first time you guys collaborated in that way where you were both offering it. But this is a very interesting thing that we just put out into the collective yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think concerts, though, are always a form of ceremony. And I think we know that. It's just kind of fun when you lean into it, you know? So... Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? How is it different as a, as a you know, from your, what you've experienced with other concerts? Well, I've experienced your version of this before, right. right? And it's always really special because you're able through your looping machines, through the live instrumentation that you're playing, you're actually creating something that moves with the energetics of the space that you're in. So it's always a bit different. Some things are similar, but it's always a bit different. And last yeah. night was, to me, just the most special version of that. I think it was the collective intention of everybody there, the space mm -hmm. itself, the time. You know, I think the gravity of the situation of bringing John in, who, you know, we both admire for different reasons. You as a musician and as a human, me is just like somebody who's guided me over the last year and a half through some of the most potent journeys of my life, starting with the Meditation Bowl Ascension track, which came in right when ketamine came into my life. It was <laughs> like, it was this huge synchronicity of, 
wow, this he's making real magic happen sonically in concert with this medicine that I'm just becoming familiar with. So there's this gravitas to the event and how it was all laid out, all of the mats in a circle, everything kind of go, coming together in that way. And so we go through yours and your concert was stunning, like stunningly beautiful. So good. And really like, really like the, I don't know, it was just exceptional to be able to be in there with you and see how you and also your partner Rada were weaving through the space and creating this experience that broke down the fourth walls. I really think that's another beautiful thing mm -hmm. that you're doing with Rada's help playing certain instruments in the crowd because she would come over to our section and you were playing on stage and then she would play like different yeah. bells and chimes. You know where that came from is uh, some ayahuasca ceremonies where uh, there was a shaman that I worked with who would move around the room a lot. And I'd know like when you're in the, the space and you're really like, uh, you know, deep in this cosmic space, it was if he was mm. literally the sound was just in different places because he's moving around the room. And I thought it was so playful. Yeah, and and so I wanted to bring in that idea, like the sound moving around the room, and so we, when you're in the space, it's not just statically in one place, and it feels fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. you get this spatial, multi-dimensional thing. I mean, I have my mindfold mask on, so but in the way that the the sound was reverberating off of all the different walls, we're in a mm. metal building, <laughs> we're in this like metal spaceship of different shapes and acoustic quality. And then to have the sound bouncing off different things, so it's hard to even tell where it's coming from. And then to have local things happening, it was just a really special experience to go through that. So I, of course, knowing that it was a ceremony, took my ketamine prescription and ram ramped it up, not fully aware that I was gonna be mm. doing an interview at the end. I was like several fast dissolves in when, <laughs> when someone's like, so what we're gonna do, instead of questions from the audience, you guys are just gonna talk on stage. They, you like, asked if you're involved in the Q&A. <laughs> we're like, you're definitely involved, yeah. <laughs> I was like, excellent, yeah. this, will be, this will be fun. But I wasn't gonna miss this. This is a very special thing and I wanted to you know, get the most out of it for myself. So I was in the ceremony in that, in that space and it was, it was really incredible to go through that. Um, in that environment at that time with you and have just one of those other unique experiences that I could add to, to my list of experiences I've shared with you already. Thank you for hosting it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, well, it was, we've been doing that for a bit, but it took it to a whole nother space, adding in John into the mix. And it was like, if I, I just felt like I learned so much about like, what ceremony music can be and expanding what we think about that. And uh, you're bringing like a kind of sophistication to this that I'm hoping we see more of because kind of in the past, a lot of this music is in the modern sense has been, uh, it's kind of been relegated into the new age and it's kind of been discarded. Yeah. And honestly, some of it maybe isn't the most interesting musicality. And so it has- very tactful here. Yes. So, <laughs> so going back to the positive, it was just great to see like something that says high musicianship and, and to hear it on such a big system like that too, is such a treat to hear like all these other treats going on with the low end yeah. and how that's just a physical sensation. You remember that music essentially is like a physical experience. Absolutely. So I'll get into then the next part of that. So the one part, if we're going to do this again, we got to work on the break in between. No break maybe. Yeah. Like somehow those, those got to merge a little better because- 
that was that was kind of intense because we're like right in the middle of the center. We did a good job. Everybody held it together, but it was like, whoa, what's going on? Like this is because there you guys were switching up, you know, striking some things which made some sense, but ultimately finding a way to bridge right in but anyways we made it through that part had an interesting journey to the bathroom as many journeys to the bathroom go in ceremony space like come on body you know how to pee you've done this so many times always the boss you've got this you've got this you got this aubrey (laughs) don't worry about the people looking at you they're not really they don't care they're in their own journey so i'm my own journey with that get back in and then the music just kind of starts you know mm. and because, it's yeah i didn't want to say anything because i'm not well firstly i kind of felt the way the album begins and people will hopefully be hearing it at this point um it starts with quite a statement which is it's a tingsha symbol mixed with a kind of rising tone which was an idea that like mo- most of my ideas come to me in the studio and i'm writing and i respond to sounds i'm hearing but it's the only time this has ever happened i was walking down the street and like a bolt from the blue was just, I knew the album started with that note and it's an F and it must start there and it must rise. And then another one starts behind it and another one starts behind it. And I have no idea why, but like we, when we talked about this after you first said it, you said it gave you that kind of almost like a lurching feeling in the stomach, yeah. which is like you. It's a fantastic like, so, opener. Something's oh, like, about yeah. to happen. I was like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> and then that happened and yeah. I could feel it. Like I could feel the whole place go like, Oh shit! It yeah. gives you that feeling oh, like shit. that. What did I do? To be like, yeah. <laughs> I often think, yeah. like, wait a minute. What did I take? Yeah, I, I think that quite often about this album. Like, what, what is it? And but um, I just thought rather than having me kind of shyly mumble what the album's called and introduce myself, which would not be my thing. I just let's let that note do that, and it did. And we man. can talk afterwards, and I'll feel more comfortable. But it was just. Um, it was such an overwhelming and beautiful thing to see so many receptive people listening to something which has been private. You know, I think you guys have both heard it and maybe 15, 20 other people. Yeah. Um, the biggest group listening I've had so far was nine people. And um, yeah, with each increase in numbers of people hearing it, it's just like, uh, it's, it's a real privilege. So yeah, thank you both for oh, sure. the, the privilege is ours yeah. yeah man and having everyone listen to it so attentively and such a you know giving their attention that's all we say is like the greatest gift you can give is your attention mm-hmm. in anything and when you do it like that collectively with a music experience like that it's special and most there, shows because most shows people are not really paying attention oh fully. there was and no option not everybody there yeah, was no yeah. option yeah. for not paying attention yeah. from the moment that thing started everybody was yeah. dropped in and the intensity of it. I mean, I've listened to this. I've listened yeah. to this album many times on good headphones and it's lovely and it's it's powerful. But in that room at that with that sound quality and that resonance, it was this unavoidable journey. Like we were on a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. And the intensity of the intensity and softness, the blend of both mm-hmm. was really stunning to behold. And I was, you know, I'm in the audience, of course. And people are having experiences. Like as this thing's building, it moves into the Teos Caves section Mm -hmm. of it, which is this beautiful descent. And we'll talk a little bit about this beautiful Mm -hmm. descent down into the cave and then this emergence. And it builds in this sonic intensity. 
and people are like starting to have to breathe like (laughs) and then some people are having to go through some mantras and chants like really like keep it together it was keep it together sounds is really it was really what it was like and people are like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they're like you know some some like hindu chants like ram krishna ram like these different things are coming and breath works and then moans and then people are like really like it was a it was a journey at that point and mm-hmm. and just like in an ayahuasca circle you hear the sounds of purging you'll hear the sounds of what the shamans would call trabajo the work the work of that experience like that's the beautiful aspect of this is it's in some aspects so gentle and so sweet but in other aspects so powerful that you were just riding people through this thing and it was just building and building and then the soft periods where you get to integrate and then rebuilding again into the pulsing heart mm. and then of course landing with that beautiful collaborative track you guys mm. have sitting around the fire which ramdas is channeling that divine father energy of mm. like one of the true enlightened mystics of our of our era of our time and it was it was really like a mind-bending experience to have you open and lead us through this interactive cosmic journey on your own. And Ramdas's voice is introduced, and then, you know, John drops in with this. Just now, oh, now we're on a now we're on a, a whole other type of rocket ship, and this whole thing is a spaceship, and we're all, you know, entering into this astral cosmic journey together. I mean, it was, it was something. Yeah, and the, and then the bookend was the improvisational piano piece, you which did. was blew holy my mind. Shit. <laughs> blew yeah, my no, mind. that was a surprise to me as well. So just to, I think it was like two days before the event, um, you texted me to say if there was a piano, you know, would you, would you play it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I hadn't thought of that. But then, I mean, I, first and foremost, that's what I've done my whole life since I was like three or four. I played the piano, and I just thought, wouldn't it be nice to just creep on stage where no one can actually see that i'm there it was nice and join in join in with the end of of sit around the fire so seamless too like so it seems like everything you do is and you said the word craftsmanship yesterday like sound craftsmanship it's so immaculately crafted and even how you blended your own piano with the end of the end of the i was like that was impressive well, it's a beautiful old instrument. Was it like 60, 70 years old or something like that? Older. Older. I think it's 100 years old, but I'm sure it was been worked on, but it's old Canab yeah. piano. And we, we because it was last minute, we didn't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to have out. a piano at this show for various reasons, And but I we have been having them at the shows. And mm-hmm. then it just hit me. It's like, I really feel like we should do this, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to bring it unless we both used it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really not use it. I was really hoping you'd say yes. (laughs) But but what was cool about it was that, because I'd been feeling nervous because, you know, this, you know, as I was saying to you last night, this was such a private experience, this making of this album. Obviously, as an artist, you always go through this transition. You make something which is coming from your deepest inner stuff, process through everything you've been through. And then one day you're like, okay, here it is, everyone. You know, and that has normally felt quite like a celebration, like a, a... not an easy thing, but like a triumphant moment because it would be a, my normal shows. You know, my previous albums, like all the big tracks are like heavy techno and they're danceable and it's all about jumping around and, you know, maybe more of an MDMA thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so you do a gig and you're just like, yeah, this is fucking great. People like that drop. And, you know, obviously it had the, the spiritual <laughs> overtones. I've, I've, I liked the idea for years of blending the... So sneaking in the spirituality into dance music, of you know, which there's a lot of crossover anyway, and of mm-hmm. course, 
particularly in tribal drumming type stuff, it's not it's not separate. But this one, I just took all of that away. So I was nervous to share it. And I thought I was nervous about the fact that we were going to do public speaking because that's not my thing. But it turned out I was nervous about people hearing this record because I could, on a deeper level, like not up here, but down here, I could feel that everyone was truly, truly listening. And what they're truly listening to is the deepest thing in myself. It's like, fucking hell, what have I done? I've shown, <laughs> I've shown my whole hand. Yeah. And um, what actually chilled me out was playing the piano and going back to what I've always done, which is improv, and that was 100% improvised. Um, and I found out from my wonderful sound engineer, Dana, that it's been recorded too. So Amazing. We, yeah, yes. We can share Amazing. it after this. Fantastic. It was such a beautiful way to integrate after such a powerful experience. Now, granted, my experience was particularly powerful because of <laughs> you know the ketamine that I dissolved in my mouth. Uh, but nonetheless, sober or not, it was such a journey. And to have that nice, soft landing to help us all yeah. like come home in a very sweet way you know, because even Ramdas's words, the words are so potent themselves. Yeah. You know, it is in a way a, a beautiful integration, but even still, you're still digesting, like, let the judgments and opinions of the mind mm -hmm. be judgments and opinions of the mind, and you exist beyond that. And you're like, damn, whew, that's a lot. You know, <laughs> it's like, a what, lot. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever that is, it's perfect, but it's still like there's an intensity to it, mm. you know, and, and a gravity to it. But to have the sweetness of the piano at the end, it's a really, really nice way to do it. And, and then of course we got on stage and talked and I thought that was That was really nice. That was yeah. really nice as well. Because you were high. I was so high. <laughs> and I've I never so looked high. I've done a lot of interviews the last twenty years, but never have <laughs> 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 I looked in the prize. This is the highest interviewer. Yeah, looked yeah. into looked into the eyes of the one asking the question. In questions. front of an audience too. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. But yep. it was cool because you know, we had a fun chat, but Well, I felt like I at least was in resonance with everybody else. Yeah, the heart, so was, heart like, was open. The heart yes. was open. Yeah. It yeah. added. Honestly it added because I you know, suddenly made me relaxed. And I felt like I was sharing some quite personal stuff in front of loads of people. Again, never done it before. Um, but, you know, to go back to the point you were saying about the intensity of the record, like I like the idea that it can be used as a, you know, a friend of mine said he was like working with it on in the background. Mm -hmm. Like at mm -hmm. first my ego was like, how dare you? <laughs> this, <laughs> this must be worshipped. Mm -hmm. You know, that was just after you finish, you're very precious about an album and I'm sure you feel that. But, you know, part of the letting go of it is is moving beyond that. Now I love the fact that someone can use it in that way but one of the real goals of it is to say to people that this genre of music whatever genre that is it, it can be very intense it's as intense as a techno album for me this and it's like the, the mm. loud passages are as loud as anything else i've done possibly louder because you don't have to fit in all that kick drum room mm -hmm. you can there's more room for subs and drones and the, you know that you talked about the low end so much bass and the bass that was rattling the walls in a way which i loved because it was yeah, it was in it was, resonance. Was like the sick. building was, mm -hmm. yeah. the building was joining in. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, I guess I don't know why. I mean, I, I don't make easy music. It, you can listen to it in an easy way, but I, I think it's for whatever reason, what's coming out at the moment is has some long, very long, intense sections, which are followed, like you say, by by a breath, and then and they build up again, and yeah and it's it's as much of a mystery to me really a lot of your music uh plays around with low end yeah that i think a lot of people don't get to really get the full gift of all that wonderful yeah. juice when i first heard sit around the fire juice. <laughs> yeah i i heard it on my studio system mm. and i was hearing this beautiful sub pad at the beginning 
And I was like, that's so bold to put that in because a lot of people won't hear it, but it's a really integral part of the feeling of the song. Mm. Yeah. And then last night, I mean, in spades, I mean, we're yeah. getting all of that low, low mid and low end stuff. So that sound is um, a recording of just outside my window. It's just London streets, you said? Uh, not London streets, it's like Surrey, where I, so where my mum used to live, I just took some field recordings because she lived near the River Thames. So it's like, and I just had that sound named as outdoors. But over the years, I've processed it in loads of different ways. So it was a very particular moment that stretches back. I don't know, it's like 15 years ago or something. Mm. But I put it in different effects for each um, time I use it and it just manipulated it. And it, what I wanted was this feeling of like a, a fire, basically, but a good fire, not an out of control yeah. raging fire, but something that grounds you as well because, you know, there's something. I don't, I didn't just want to come in with with his voice or with your voice and our voice combined, which we have in there as well. But just that, yeah, it's like a very low tone, which I think settles you. Even if you can't hear it, it's doing something, maybe. I mean, that's one thing that both of you guys have in common is you use a lot of the instrumentation of the world, of the natural world, and you do it in different ways. But there's just a real beauty of being able to capture, you know, capture an experience of nature. A, a moment in time, the vibration, the resonance of what the universe is playing in a particular place. Mm. And it's like, a, a it's not just a recording of the sounds, it's a recording of the essence of that thing. And that's why it's it's just so beautiful. And then you can take that essence and then manipulate it and modify mm. it into ramping up the intensity of that essence. So it's not just the casual essence of that, it's the essence of that you know, in the strongest concentrated form, like boiling down ayahuasca from a giant vat into like a thick, <laughs> yeah. into a thick black brew that just blasts you off. Like mm, all of a sudden it's mm. outside instead of just outside. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's this different thing, but both of you play with that in a beautiful way. Your coyote, you know, has become this like signature nice. thing. You <laughs> I know, use it a lot. Probably, I definitely should like it's probably swap out some sounds. I kind of want like a coyote soundboard for I myself. I like that one a know? lot. It's true. It was yeah, great yeah. when that came because I haven't seen you play before and it was like, oh, coyotes, cool. <laughs> Sometimes I look at some of those samples in the live setting. I'm like, man, I've had that one on there for quite a while, you know, <laughs> but yeah. you know, the if greatest you, hits of nature. you ever press the wrong one at a really oh, of course. sensitive moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last night it was so dark too. I was having yeah. a hard time like seeing what I was pressing. And it's like, sometimes that happens and you never know what's gonna come out. Mm. Yeah, But uh, that's part of the beauty of of having it be open-ended like that. Like you have to like trigger things and create things because it always is a little different and you have mm. the freedom to make it completely different, Yeah, uh, which is really nice. One of the things, I just sat with, uh, incredible shaman maestro Orlando chuandama from the quechua tradition and we're in costa rica in the jungle of costa rica and obviously every jungle has its own sounds but this has its own jungle and ocean sounds that are there and so he would roll in this carpet of icaros as we're in and just this <laughs> intensity of this thick rich carpet of sound that he would bring mm. through and then pause and integrate and it was all of the sounds of the crickets and all of the sounds of the wind and the sounds mm. of the ocean that also provided this backdrop and doing it in the absence of that is just not anywhere yep. the same that's why i started making those breaks in those records like music yep. for mushrooms uh with the field records because mm. it was from ceremonies where that's what they would do mm -hmm. uh, you know and they would have these breaks between the akaros and it was the natural sounds and it was so important. It was sort of like this yep. important bridge to the next room you're about to go into. Mm. And uh, 
all those things I felt like were f- not accidents. Like they're forms of technology they'd figured out over many years. Like this helps. It's as a way of doing yeah. things that the, te- yeah. the tempo of the ceremony. And I wanted to learn from that and say, well, there's probably a good reason why they figured this out. Maybe I can incorporate this into you know, mm-hmm. more modern context. And when I listen to music for mushrooms and there's those breaks, I think I commented maybe even on another podcast, it was like, how did he know? Like, <laughs> how did how did Krishna know that that's what I needed right at this moment in time? And the way that, and both of you have done this in different ways, and but the way that the there's almost like a vibrato to the whole thing, which is the way that mushrooms works in the body, it kind of like vibrates mm-hmm. part of your soma in a way that the cells are kind of moving in a different way. It's, and the trees themselves are vibrating as your body, everything is in this resonance and the whole album has that. And then these nice, like beautiful pauses. And so you created, of course, music for mushrooms and then you've created music for psychedelic therapy, but the length of it, being an hour versus the length of yours, which is what, five hours? Yeah, but the new the new album's in two hours. Uh, a soundtrack for the Psychedelic Practitioner Volume 2. And I just find it amazing that like, we both essentially were doing the same thing at the same time independently. Like we're both made psychedelic uh, guidance albums I guess maybe it's a pandemic thing. I don't know. I mean, it was for me. Or it's a it's a collective it's a mm. collective desire. Both I of you guys so. are listening. Your yeah. antenna is up, and the world is. I strongly believe is saying, "Hey, mm. like we need these medicines, and we need the tools to help bring people to this because we have to come to a state where we collapse the polarity. We get to a united polarity. We see each other beyond the identity, beyond our differences and creeds and opinions about whatever thing is happening in the in the culture. And this, these are the tools that are creating the backdrop that's helping. And it's, I think you guys are both absolutely on the pioneering front end of this because there's been other music that's been nice in in ceremony before. Like the Devi prayer is lovely to play in a that's variety great, of different things, like right? That. And Craig, Craig Chris, Chris is, it's amazing. He's very yeah. good, but very nonetheless, it's, it's a song here and a song here. Yeah. It's not woven with the intention of this is for ceremony. Mm. And I love how obvious you guys were in the naming yeah. of it too. You're like, no, 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 let's, let's, let's be, let's be straight up here. Really this went, is for clear. this. Yeah. <laughs> let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really went for that, but that wasn't a choice. Honestly, it wasn't a choice. Like I have this, so I, I suppose my kind of the more spiritual experiences with ketamine have been mostly this year. I've had them before, but intentional deep dive experiences have been this year. And when I was in the early stages of making this record, I was listening through to tracks in progress, but also I, you know, things like that Devi prayer and some, some sort of Kundalini and other types of mantra music and, and some just general songs that I love. And then a few of the, you know, the Tyos piece and, and I just, and I went very, you know, it was a strong dose and I, I just returned and it was as if it was written in front of me, music for psychedelic therapy. You have no choice. You have to call it that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a part of me resisting that because it's, I don't want to box it in a way, but you know, and I'm obviously always going to be saying to people, it's also a piece of music and you can listen to it in any way you like, but that title was just, it was a, there was no choice. Um, mm. And it, because I, I had experiences, um, so my good friend, Dr. Rosalind Watts, who is the clinical lead on the um, the psilocybin trials that we had in London, Imperial College, um, we became friends a while ago and she asked me to um, help with some of the track selections that they were using for their depression patients. 
And um, she had picked some amazing stuff, and I selected some few. She had some East Forest in there. In fact, that was how I first heard of your stuff in 2018. No way. Yeah, that was my first encounter with you. Huh. And um, is there a track called Grounded? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Rather is nodding. Yes. You're not sure. <laughs> yes, there is. It's from a ceremony. It's yeah. a ceremony track. Really yeah. lovely anyway. So um, anyway, so yeah, and I um, we, we put some of my longer form stuff in there and generally just we're, we're talking about it together and, and I just, yeah, I think it wasn't a conscious thing at the time, but the part of me was just like, we need not to have a hundred different musicians. Yes, this is this is it. <laughs> six mm-hmm. hours. I mean, obviously I'd love for this album to be six hours long. It's just that it might take me six more years. Great. And you I, got I will do volume two. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is definitely the plan, yeah. Yeah. But um, just this idea of having one energy hold. The, it's the, so that's, important. That's the yeah. key. So and in electronic modern music, that isn't really a thing, you know, because it just doesn't, the, the long form stuff, and, you know, and you've started doing that and I've, gonna keep doing it the only way it's been feasible for me to do though is is by improvising it live in ceremonies and essentially recording it because yeah. it's true the task of sitting in the studio and thinking i need to make six five hours of music or two or one that's mm. that's just enormous yeah. but something about like um well we'll open up to the the improvisational space in a ceremony it adds a kind of freedom of course you could say to yourself maybe none of this will work out and that's fine but let's just record it and see what happens and the in album was five ceremonies that were virtual on YouTube live, mm-hmm. which I never would have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because of the pandemic, the same friend, Lewis, who pushed me into doing ceremonies 13 years ago, said, we're doing one virtually. And I said, I've never live streamed before. He's like, well, it's Saturday. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. And we just did it. And it turns out there are advantages. What's the significance of it being Saturday? May I ask? Um, it's Saturday. We yeah, do things. You know, it's, goes, you know, it's a it's, day where we do yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunday is a day of rest. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday we do new things. Yeah, but it's it allowed it allowed like uh, you start you start just having you record them all. Now you've got twenty five hours of mm. playing, and in there there's probably a few hours of some really magical like something came through that's from the medicine. And I would love to see that from you too, because I can't if, like what we saw on the improvisation on the piano. If I gave you the landscape to say, okay, we're going to do a two-hour ceremony with an audience and they're going to be doing it just like they were, mm. just just let come through whatever wants to come through, there would well, be so many gems. There's also a way, I think, to weave in that piece that I was talking about, the the bowl piece. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's like that's yeah. a, it's an th- unbelievable 30-minute chunk that's this really powerful cosmic journey it doesn't fit exactly in the same hour piece right but well you know a way, a way to bridge those yeah. would be before really, after, really beautiful sure. yeah 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 so what is really interesting is that that was supposed to be on the album and um it, so there's track one welcome which we talked about with the ascending tones and that's very much so obviously the first track and then if you listen carefully the end of that track actually has a bit of the singing bowl in it um it does yeah it's got about 20 seconds low from that piece it's well it's the same but i mean yeah oh, it, it would bowl. be this yeah it would be the same audio yeah, yeah just okay. because i was trying to figure out whether um it, it could flow into that and then again i tested the early version of the album which had that as the second track so you go from welcome into singing bowl into tiles and for some for some reason i think because of that that track welcome is very it's a very light energy mm-hmm. and for me it's very much dmt it's like it's the dmt plus mm-hmm. that's my direct channeling of my dmt experiences um and the singing bowl one after that 
it felt like I'd been lifted off into the celestial heavens and then suddenly plunged into the bowels of the earth. It was like, and I was like, you know, I was again a strong dose, and I, mm-hmm. I was kind of like being ground in this bowl in the ground. It was just like, it was, it was a, it felt healing like as i got to the because you know how the track kind of lightens towards the end and the main drones the singing the main singing bowl drones kind of fade away and it gets a little gentler but the main chunk of it when framed in a very different context with a very light beginning was grueling like it was it, it was and i'm not against grueling obviously there's, there's, <laughs> we know there's a bit we of, know, a, we know. We're, aware. In the ball. we're aware there's plenty of gruel for everyone gruel <laughs> <laughs> to grow around <laughs> you know, everyone slopping out some spiritual gruel for you but but like this it was too much and it made the album 85 minutes long which presents various other problems and i wouldn't have been worried about that if it had worked but Basically, I cut it and figured out a bridge between that and Tyus, and then it just became then it became itself. Then it became an album. Yeah. So, but also you mentioned earlier about how the the appearance of that track was synchronous with you starting to explore with Ketamine yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, where, or why exactly how this happened, but I finished the piece, and I hadn't been in touch with you for a while. We'd all been going through pandemic, and we'd met like two years ago, I think, and I hadn't been in touch much. And then I was just like, I have to send this to Aubrey for some reason. And I emailed it to you and you like straight away, you listened to it on Ketamine. I was like, okay, that was clearly supposed to happen. Yeah, I so mean, I don't prior to that, okay, so prior snap. to that, I was fumbling around on with different tracks and it yeah. was like, this one kind of works. This dispense of meditation kind of works, but why does he change his voice like that? I just, you know, like I'll think all these things, but that kind of worked. And like, I'd have all of these things that were like, kind of worked in this thing very, and then that one dropped in. And it was a very important time for me because that's when I was transitioning. I had gotten habituated to using Xanax to fall asleep. Mm. So I was conditioned to do that. And I was going through with my partnership with Vailana and some of Mm. her healing work. I transitioned from that. And ketamine was a huge ally in that process Mm. because even if I wasn't sleeping, I could have a journey, you know, put on the put on right. that track, and then I could get into those kind of deep theta delta recovery cycles. So even if I was sleeping four hours a night, which mm. was happening, I could jump into that journey with ketamine, and I could feel restored and human, and my mm. my heart and mind and spirit would get aligned. So not only was it something that was interesting and magical, which it really, really was. It was the first time I'd found sound mixed with the medicine where energy was moving to different parts of my body. Like the way that the drone would yell like, and I'm like, whoa, it's going to my feet. Like, wow, it's going. And then all of a sudden like, and I'm I'm upside down now. I'm upside (laughs) down completely now. And, Mm. but nonetheless, like I was so deep in it that it was really incredibly restorative for my health and we've been talking about ketamine for the psycho-spiritual journeying effects which is mm-hmm. incredibly powerful and i've had a lot of manifestation spiritual downloads but there's a, it was legalized for the function of a person's health mm-hmm. and and really that was a, a deep part of that process mm-hmm. as well so whatever was guiding you to make it also was guiding you to send it or maybe it was my soul like hey man yeah <laughs> like please this like Ob- the aubrey guy yeah. needs this like really needs this and i don't often do that i don't just send things unreleased things to people i've met once you know? <laughs> right. like, it's just like i'm gonna do it and i sent it to maybe two or three other people but um yeah it, it, and it's interesting because on its own it really it, it, that piece is supposed to stand alone it didn't it didn't blend into anything else but it could be really nice as a bridging thing i i can yeah, I mean, that. and I just want to go back to the title, though. 
I, I think it's really, really important that you called it what you did because think about it. If it was another title, just like another album, with just a, a name, it would kind of, we might not be having this conversation in a sense because it, it mm. goes, people could miss yeah. its potential as a tool. It is, yeah. of course, it's great music. Of course, you can use it off label and people will, and that's fantastic. But it's they, the people who want to use it on label mm. wouldn't necessarily know. And yeah. now people who might not even know you are gonna learn about this in this burgeoning field that's growing so quickly. Mm. And because there aren't many tools out there, as you said, and very few with a singular artistic voice, especially very few that are of you know such ilk as yours and so so crafted so well. So I thought that was a bold move. And I certainly had done it myself. So I was like, yeah. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. But I wanted to just honor that you did that because it's kind of would have been easier not to. Yeah, and there were some people trying to persuade me not to. But, I but would they imagine all, they so. All, they all changed their mind, though. I have to say, in mm. fact, the, the record label were amazing. They were like, "No, that's great." Were they really? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, they're so a cool awesome. record label. Domino are cool. They're good like, sign for the times. They're the best. Yeah. Domino's the best. Yeah, it was. It was a great thing. So I, yeah, I'm. I'm now completely comfortable with that. But I think it was also really just you know you've often talked on this podcast, which I listen to, but <laughs> about how you. <laughs> how you often you'll you'll talk about things because. You're you're giving a talk to yourself almost, right? You're uh, yeah, pretty much always. Pretty much always. This is the the deep secret. The deep Aubrey secret is that I've every product I've created is something for me, and Mm -hmm. every talk I give is something that's going to help. And it's of course I'm thinking of other people too, but it's because I need it, and Mm -hmm. I recognize my state of inner being with everybody else. If I need it, everybody needs it, and if they need it, I need it. You know, like we're so less separate than we believe we are so yeah yeah, i know that if i'm serving myself in a deep way it's going to serve people otherwise Mm. i'm just guessing i'm like well this doesn't really work for me but i think it's going to work for them how the fuck do i know exactly and if you make music like that it's it's terrible death nail people people can see through it and people non-musical people people who don't even listen that deeply they will still it just doesn't resonate authenticity you can detect on on different levels but basically, this stuff is all my my way of living, my way of understanding the world and tools that I need. And I found that there wasn't, the music didn't exist that was perfect for my ketamine experience. There was playlists of different people, but I need to make it to hear it myself. And it's quite weird to say this publicly, but the first experiences I had when it was finished were which is so amazing. And it sounds like I'm just bigging up my album, but it didn't sound anything like it had come from me and I had no idea where, you know, it was like, this is the plants because even though it's ketamine's taking me there, it's, you know, I had five years of regular DMT experiences, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I now realize because I've now stopped doing that and I've now realized that I don't have to do that anymore because the point of that was that that energy was trying to get into this music and that energy was trying to come out into the world. And it leads me to quite a, quite a cool story, which, um, which I share. So my probably best friend in the world is a guy called Dan, and he um, he plays some of the synths on the album, some of the more generative, unusual, esoteric sounds on Welcome on a couple of other tracks. And we we shared DMT experiences since 2015. We discovered it together, and well, I first heard of it in 2001, and I thought that's something I will never be ready to do. And after 15 years of meditating, <laughs> I was ready to do it, and um, dived in deep, and you know. We've all had that experience here, I guess, but fucking hell. It's yeah. still processing the first one, let alone the following. And just to be clear, you, these experiences are NNDMT experiences, yes. not... Yes, pure 15-minute yeah. yeah, crystal type thing. And uh, yeah, obviously it goes without saying, I don't recommend it. 
<laughs> I don't not recommend it, but <laughs> that's that's the only place. That's <laughs> yeah. the only place Take to it be. As you right? will. Yeah, I'm anyway, just gonna say that. But anyway, the first one I had was literally heaven. I just went straight to the deepest, deepest, safest, most perfect love God ever that I could ever and have ever experienced since. Like nothing has ever been like that. And I now looking, I like to look back at this and try and figure out the patterns and the meanings behind these trips. But that first one was like a kind of, you need to come in here. You know, what's going to come next is really important. And of course, they got harder and harder. And maybe my fear, my fear increased, I don't know. But it was all from the mimosa bark. Mm -hmm. And um, it started to seem to me like there was this, it was the mimosa spirit that was interacting with me and, and with Dan on each occasion we would see the same kind of things, you know, and she was this extraordinary geometric fractal goddess that's like in you and becomes you and you know, you know how it is, that kind I of do. stuff. I don't uh, know what it is. I don't know what it is, no, exactly. We can, we, the words don't work there. And describing <laughs> it, describing it is an interesting task. The, well. the colors, we've managed to capture some of the colors outside, but they're never as vivid. But anyway, so I had increasingly scary experiences. They were never, neg I was never confronted with anything hostile, but I just got more and more scared of each one. But um, Dan, my friend, is more bold and would go for a, for a heavier dose. And he'd had many on his own as well. And he would often get these very clear messages who come out was like, okay, you must, you know, he's a, he works on the land. He has a small holding farm and he um, looks after his family and, you know, lives quite off grid. And um, he would get quite clear messages about things to do in his life. I would just get these goddess investigations. and like, <laughs> I'd be filled with music. And obviously that was the purpose, but I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is how you resolve this relationship. I didn't, you know, it didn't provide me with, with way too out there. For that but anyway so one time we were doing it together and he would always go first because he's again bolder and um he'd had you know many many experiences by this point and uh so he describes this as um yeah he he, he took the took the dose um maybe 30 milligrams something like that it's quite high i think mm. and then as usual the goddess comes towards him and then she goes this guy pointing at me so this is not for you today you've got to help this guy get this music out here. Wow. So it just literally comes with and just turns, just takes a swerve and points at me. And um, and he he's like, after when he recovered, he was like, hmm, that was interesting. Mm. <laughs> she didn't want to talk to me today. <laughs> she was like, it was a very, very clear message that he had to help me um, mm. in, we don't know exactly what ways. And now I can look back and that, I thought it was, to do with singularity in my previous arm, which has a definitely has a strong um, DMT influence, but um, now I realise it was entirely about this one and the way in which he helped me was he provided some of the sounds, but also the love and the support and the confidence to make what is an unusual album, but also you know the support through the DMT that through helping me and sitting with me through those increasingly scary experiences, and then one day when I was done with it that's when the album suddenly got written, you know, and I look back and it's like, that was school. I was in school to make this record. Yeah. But it's fucking, it's so cool to think that that happened in that way. <laughs> we have so much more help seen and unseen than mm. we, than we recognize. And this is the thing that I, I can attest to over and over again. It's that we think we might be alone. We think that the odds are against us. It's all daunting, but we're not taking into account this gigantic synchronous support mm. from the universe whatever you want to call it whatever yeah. your cosmology and whatever your paradigm allows you to 
to name it and know it, it doesn't matter, but we're supported in mm-hmm. some very deep ways. And I'm sure we all could recount countless stories as yours was of key moments where it's like, well, I got helped. Like mm-hmm. I got helped a lot. And there's the humility to that, which is like, this isn't all me, hardly. I don't know how much of it is me actually. Mm-hmm. Cause I, every time I really take a clear look, it's like, I got so much support and so much help in this process. And sure, I made some choices and I'll give myself some credit, but it was like, we're really, really guided. Yeah, and I feel like in that, you know, recounting that particular story, it's important for me to point out that I don't, I didn't then start to consider myself as a sort of unique or special person. I can, I can, only I could do this. It wasn't so much that. It was a combination of the fact that I had an audience and that, I'm having these experiences and I, you know, through my interest in psychedelics, I'd met all the people that could perhaps help this get out. And, um, you know, it was like, it, it always goes back to that thing of being a channel rather than, you know. Yes. And else. your mastery of being able to create sound and create music was like a lot of people might have that urge, but unless they've cultivated the 10,000 plus hours of being able to translate that into something that, at the mm. level that you're able to, they can try their best. And I and that's all really important and it's all super valuable. But mm. the skill sets that you have then allow you to translate that into something else. So it's not like this pure, your mind goes blank and you just channel something. And I didn't even know what levers I was pushing and I didn't even know the software, but the guides told me how to use the software. It doesn't work like that. Oh yeah, I knew the software. <laughs> you know, the, like if you're gonna write something, you need the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. if you're like, when things come through me, they come through words. but. Mm my deep practice with words and poetry and writing has allowed me so that I can take the energy. It always comes with an energy mm-hmm. and I'll get the energy and then I'll know the words will just flow. They'll flow right out because I feel the energy of it and that's the gift. Yeah. And then my own my own le- like whole holding of my intellect, everything mm-hmm. that I've accumulated then just translates that in a way that actually you know, crystallizes it in the 3D. Yeah, and it's interesting because for me, when you talk about those 10,000 hours, like for me, the desire to get as good as I can at sound design and creating sounds and dimensional music in particular, which is why I describe this as, Mm. um, comes from, well, the fuel for that in the early years was all the ego. It was like, you know, I had, like many people, probably everyone had a rough time at school and, you know, wasn't, it wasn't at the right place perhaps. And, um, had a desire to be cool, had a desire to be popular, wanted money, wanted a career, um, and also passionately loved and lived and breathed music. So the two things work together. But those, the amount of hours I spent, many of them in like living in my mum's house in the in her attic, just learning how to make all this stuff with no training, just time and failing. And um, it's almost like you learn, you have to learn how to control that totally before you can learn how to let go of it almost because this album yeah i know all the software but really it was about letting go of the control of the music it's quite hard to explain this but there's no grid on any of the tracks so there's no tempo there's no marker points of there's no rhythms um but instead of that there's the things that landed where they're supposed to land um it's quite hard to explain but like one example is there's this track called Love Flows Over Us in Prismatic Waves. I don't like saying these titles out loud because they're supposed to be read, <laughs> but I've said it. It's on the album. <laughs> I like the titles, you know, there's just, they're just very like, that is what it is when I hear mm-hmm. it. That's what it is. So that's what I have to call it. This is the policy is total honesty with mm-hmm. this one. 
But um, I had this kind of drone sound going and it was something that was playable. It was based on the Unicorder sample, which is a Nils from. Yep. It's a beautiful piano thing, but have process beyond recognition, so you, you would never know that, which is my policy on <laughs> The destructor machine. Yeah. yeah, so I was playing this sound and it was like, I was finding it really beautiful, but it's like, it's a little bit electronic. It doesn't have, and I was drinking a beer and beer was an important medicine interestingly in the making of this album because this was you know let's remember this was like mid-pandemic mid-winter everything shut i was also going through a real heartbreak and uh i found about six o'clock if i were to bring beer into the mix i would get three four more hours of mm. some of the best stuff happened you know it may not be ideal for my body but fuck it this it's delicious. Fuck yeah. <laughs> delicious, like, you know, nice beers are not, you know. Well, whatever. that makes <laughs> all the difference. It does then it's okay. It doesn't have any extra yeah. shit in, but whatever. You don't need to get into the ingredients. And also the <laughs> energetics of the, the love that's poured into a certain thing. Yeah. Like, they, we're making energy music. Yeah. Like the energetics of what, you, <clears throat> what you're ingesting count in, yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. So I would get this, this boost and euphoria that would just kind of keep me going. And it, all that felt important in that era it's an unforgettable era in so many ways, but all that felt important was to keep going. So I didn't look after myself as well as I should, but it, it didn't feel like it mattered. And looking back, I wouldn't change it. But the reason I mention it is because I had, I always drink it out of a glass. There's a certain, I like the vessel to be right with all drinks. You know, I don't know if you have like your favorite coffee mug. I mean, this is not a, it's not a rare thing, but it's very important to me to have this nice glass. So I had my studio in the, you know, pour the beer, listening to this drone sound, thinking it needed a bit of life, and I just happened to flick the beer glass, and it was the exact note that was missing from the chord. <laughs> and had I had one more sip before flicking it, it would have been like, I don't know. But it, because it was perfect, I just grabbed a mic immediately and just like... <laughs> and if you play that track, you can hear it really clearly. It happens um, within the first two minutes of that track. It's all just... And then I put it across the keyboard, so great thing on the software I use is you can map a sound across the keyboard very easily. So I could then play that beer note on a different key. And the mm -hmm. whole thing just came from the level the liquid was at at the time. And, uh, and so that's just one... There's millions of examples of that happening across the album, but if you're just open to that, like what is going on in the room, what is going on outside the building, like sometimes you capture a bird going past or whatever, but... It's generally supposed to be on there, for me anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and that was such a that was such a it's such a personal, tiny, trivial little thing, but it's one of my favourite sounds on the album. I want to go back to a philosophical point and <clears throat> that you were making about the ego because I think this is important to touch on. A lot of people denigrate the ego, mm. right? As if it's a bad thing, mm. as if this is like something that's just here to be transcended and like it has no value and it's always the enemy. I mean, there's even a, even a book, Ego is the Enemy, mm. right? And um, I don't particularly like that title or that premise because 
I think it is a very powerful and important and useful tool, more useful at certain times than others. Like without your ego at in the start of your journey, would you have become the musician that you are now that's capable now of stepping aside from the ego? You don't eradicate it, but stepping aside and creating something even more beautiful. No, exactly. you could try to step aside, but you wouldn't have had the skills yeah. and the dedication, that fiery determination to get there. Same with me. You know, yeah. like I needed my ego as this fuel source to get me to the place where I am now, where now I have the ability to occasionally, if if I'm in grace, can step aside and mm. and transcend it. But it's this very important fuel source. And I'd, I'd open that up to you as well, your own journey with how your ego has been an ally. So totally. the opposite of ego is the enemy. Ego is an ally. And here's where it also has its faults, but here's the ego as an ally. It, it, the fire metaphor is a good one because it, it is a fuel. And if we honor the fact that it's it's a kind of the engine that keeps us moving forward, there's, there's a probably a reason why we have these predilections in our personalities, you know, growing up. And it, mm. it's so you honor that. It's like part of the thing that keeps burning the engine in a way. And I think about the line, sit around the fire, and it gets even mm. deeper for me. You know, like ego is part of that fire. Like you're, you're burning through mm. Uh, the ego itself but that's also like in some ways like the recognition of it is the burning of it but then that creates the fuel to like create Mm. and creation is sort of the essence of why we're here and all the forms that we do it not just beautiful albums but all the things we do is like that is uh, god seeing god we are creating with every moment and so in that sense I had that revelation on one of my first ayahuasca experience, and it's in that song, Grandmother's Fear, that I released a long time ago, where at the end mm-hmm. it says, you know, uh, to, for the ego to be teammates and mm-hmm. as opposed to enemy, uh, that's something I felt like my ego is swimming around me in the journey. And sometimes it would like grab me and I'd go on this journey and then 30 minutes later, be like, oh man, I was just all wrapped up in that. Let me get back to the, well, there it is again. And it was was like this masterful skill where it could really pull me away. But I was like, I don't want to push you away. I want to be a teammate with you. And I can have these cosmic uh, feelings and revelations at the same time that ego helps me uh, be on this earth and make decisions and be discursive. And that's important. And so I want to work together in that way. But maybe in some way when we, we witness it, as Ram Dass would say, and we, we kind of watch that show going by, then suddenly we're able to use the ego as a tool. It's almost, maybe it's like a linebacker or it's something, or it's like a log mm-hmm. we put on the fire and it's not being destroyed, but it's, it's creating more heat. What's a linebacker? What's a linebacker? A tenacious defensive player on the football field. They sorry, looks like Justin Wren or these all these guys basically (laughs) that were around. Bigger than me, but yeah, more (laughs) not like me than yeah, (laughs) like a wide receiver type of type of vibe. That sounds like a nice job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's it's such a it's such an important point. I mean, there's there's a reason why we have an ego. It's to separate us so that we can be a different articulation without it without the one that says i am not everything we collapse back into unicity again anyways it's this it's this important way that we allows us free will it allows us all these things but the skill to be able to use it in a productive way rather than in a destructive way Mm. and that requires that it requires in order to be able to master that to that level it requires a level of separation you have to be able to witness 
the ego and then to witness the ego you have to have some foothold in an identity that's beyond it and you know that's what all the great mystical teachings are about is like practice right practice and and i see this going more because the concept is like makes sense okay witness the ego but to really go through this was happening last night in the journey as well Mm. different ways in which i was wondering oh man did i say that wrong thing and and was that weird that i feel oh man Mm. i forgot to tell people to be quiet in the middle of the uh in the middle of the thing between oh man and i would go in and i was like stop stop it's all right like and i would watch these different aspects and that skill the more you practice it as you're mm-hmm. as you're alluding to the more you practice it the better you are at it so that you can just watch it softly rather than getting engaged and sucked into it that's where the challenge becomes is when we get we become the ego without any awareness that there's anything that exists beyond it mm-hmm. then we're in trouble but if we can use it as a teammate not the same not exactly the same thing then we're like all right i see you buddy like i see what you're there and i understand i hear you i hear you and i don't disagree but we're gonna go this way that's like that's really sovereignty i like to think of it as uh parenting a child almost it Mm -hmm. doesn't know better Mm -hmm. like yet sometimes in this metaphor i'm creating which might not work the child is in charge of the car (laughs) but sometimes it's you know how entitled is the child yeah (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes you just need to go you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna step in here because what we'd like i had an interesting example of that this morning so we went to justin 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 Mm Ren's place and had an ice bath it's amazing one of my favorite things to do and um felt absolutely blissful afterwards and i needed it because i drank a load of beer last night to come down off the show mm-hmm. and i felt obviously cleansed and brilliant and then i don't look at instagram very often but for some reason i went and looked and i saw that you know i'd had to postpone all my european tour because of um covid stuff it's impossible to freely travel around right now and someone was really angry about me postponing the oslo show and i just saw this comment and i was immediately was thrown into that but it's, you know it wasn't my fault like and he was like, why couldn't you just come out for this? We don't have restrictions here. They're not understanding the mechanics of trying to move eight people around in yeah, this time. And it took me maybe three minutes. It's good. The time has reduced a lot. Yeah, that's that would have, no, that's awesome. But, but mm-hmm. I think that's because I just got out of the ice bath and I was surrounded by new friends and I was in a, you know, it was a beautiful sunny day and there are many good things, but I fully went in there for a minute. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and it's just, it still gets you. And it's always as intense for me anyway. It's just hopefully the duration of effect reduces over time. Um, so yeah, ne- and and I realize that that will never not be the case. <laughs> just gotta stay out of the comments, man. That is. I a, do in yeah, general. That's I, the thing. It's really a, not something I I would ever do. But I think I, I don't know. Whatever. I feel you. I mean, I've been there yeah, for sure. It's longer than three minutes. Everybody has, and certain ones, certain ones bite a little harder. They do. They do if ones. they're not fair. I guess it's and then you the injustice then becomes a becomes a trigger of it, and and or some slight agreement that you have with it, some a little bit of guilt. It has to kind of agree with something, thing, yeah. and the that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So it's really the case with, and people worry about this in a lot of shamanic circles as well. Mm. Like there's these movies where there'll be some demonic possession. Mm. where some demon will just come out of the blue and attach itself and possess somebody but you really talk to the great masters and they're like no 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 like there has to be resonance Mm -hmm. there has to be resonance in the individual for a dark energy to stick and some of the great masters that i've worked with they have no concern at all Mm. like i'm like well you're breathing in this you're breathing in this energy like maestro orlando for example he blows in his in his soplato and his healings he'll blow in or bentiata he'll he'll blow in tobacco or cinnamon and then he'll immediately go 
and like suck it up. I think it's called chupar, but that's chupar is a little more specific, but he sucks up the energy and then he'll, you know, cough or like vomit or whatever, or like purge or burp or whatever. And he just go through this, goes through this process. And I, I got to talk to him. I'm like, well, why aren't you, you know, what do you do about, are you worried about any of the energy sticking to you? He's like, no, no, no. Like I'm taking it immediately because I know that there's no resonance for that energy in me at all. So while I can, I can take it and then move it, it's not going to stick. Like it just won't stick. Same with the five MEO Bufo shamans. It won't stick to me at all because there's no part of me that agrees with that energy Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. exists. Like that's the thing that it could collect in. And I think that's the same way with, you know, when we're talking about the energy that we might get from one of these comments. Like if we have a little bit of agreement to it, a little bit of our own Mm self-judgment, a little bit of our own self-hate, a little bit of our own guilt, then all of a sudden there's resonance and that thing's gonna stick a lot longer and maybe add another pebble to our self-judgment recrimination pile but if we're if we've done that internal work it's like oh yeah, whatever mm-hmm. you know and just move past it there's no resonance you got to have time of reflection to balance out the ego in a sense it's all just mm-hmm. like the yin yang of it and so if most of what we do in our lives these days is feeding our egoic identity and so when you are on social media a lot and really in the weeds of the comments you're just in that you're just in that world where you, it's just all about essentially ego and and we're not and no, and no consequence for the person that's written it right either. so you you have well, to do things that feed maybe the other side the consequence i think is felt deeply you're right, right. underneath the surface the interbeing is unavoidable mm. right the fact that if you do something to someone else you're doing it to you is mm. a universal law you just, they just might not feel it because yeah. it's not in their awareness. But every time you do something hurtful to another person, you're hurting yourself. You cannot escape it. Karma mm. is instant. Mm. It's not something that happens later. I think this is another mm. misnomer. Like, no, no, it's instant. Right. It's just on the subtle body yeah, that you yeah, can't yeah. feel. But don't worry, it'll be there. You know, it'll be there for you to deal with when you're done. And I don't, it's, yeah. it's about being uh, cognizant of your word in all shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. Just, for the, just, just for the power of it as yeah. a, a matter of leading your life and the yeah. effect it has on you. Yeah, in general, it's a thing I just don't engage with and I do very little posting and it's just, you know, I've been lucky to be able to avoid it overall. So it's just, it just I don't think it's necessarily inherently a bad thing at all, but I know that I'm too sensitive to take it. It would, you know, it could get in my way of doing something useful. And True. if I can, as long as I can, you know, persuade people to listen to my stuff somehow and come to the shows, then I don't need to engage with something that I don't inherit. I think it's not necessarily a general force for good, but. Um. So let's let's try on this idea. It's not something that I have a lot of practice in, or, but just thinking about it, just as with the ice bath, you know it's gonna be cold. And you know that that hormetic stressor is going to create an adaptation that's positive, that's gonna make mm-hmm. you stronger. A lot of times we look at the comments without any intention, hoping that they're positive. Yes. So maybe kind of looking for the negative one. You skim through the and positive, surprise. we all do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, all good and then you yeah, find yeah. the one asshole. Yeah, of course, <laughs> so we do that, but it's not. we don't do it with any kind of ceremonial intent. Hmm. Now, I would suppose, just from thinking about it, that if you went into that, had a centering, much like Rada did for us prior to us getting on this podcast, a centering, an intentional centering practice where you're saying, I'm going in, and I'm going, I'm going in and I'm going into this energy and I'm going to make myself, you know, 
impervious in a way by by feeling by like feeling this and knowing that i'm strong enough to transmute it and watching the way that my ego reacts and use it as the iron that's sharpening your iron using it as that force i think you could potentially make real productive work out of doing it but that's the difference between doing something unconsciously and doing something with full conscious intent Mm -hmm. like and i haven't tried that but i would you know and anybody listening who finds that curious like try that try that like Mm -hmm. it's an ice bath like i'm gonna go in for my ego ice bath and it's gonna be gnarly Mm -hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna try that on (laughs) and i'm gonna see how quickly i can move that into love and self-forgiveness and compassion for that other person Mm -hmm. how how deeply can i do that you know it's very similar to what you know people will put someone that they have the hardest time loving on their altar. Ram Dass did that with yeah. Trump. Other people have done and that really, with a variety yeah. of different people. Yeah. It's like, okay, now this is the this is the next level. It's wow. easy to put, you know, Maharaji on my altar. I love yeah. I love him infinitely and unconditionally. Mm. It's instant. What about this guy? This is like an ice bath full of trolls, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. To, to get in there with them and just be like, how long can I stick around? Just breathe through it. Yeah. yeah. Quite an image as well. Yeah. It, are yeah. you talking like those tiny trolls? Oh, but the ones with yeah. the hair. Yeah, the, yeah, those guys yeah. are cool. That's what internet like trolls look like, I assume. Another, that's maybe yeah. another thing. I like, need one of those. Like a little, <laughs> yeah. I want to switch gears here real quick. I want to talk about your metaphysical feelings about looking at a human being as a vibrational energetic being. Because as we know, everything is both wave and particle simultaneously. So there is, of course, density. And perhaps that's because we're observing ourselves more in the particle standpoint than we are in the wave standpoint. Whatever, it feels very real to me. If I pound it on the table, it's certainly very particle-y. However, we also know that it can be expressed as a wave. And that's why when we say we're energetic beings, we're also paradoxically saying the truth because of the nature of the quantum it is a yes and situation music is wave not particle Mm -hmm. so the music is interacting with the part of us you know potentially and i just want to understand from your standpoint a part of us that could be expressed as waves and that's perhaps one of the ways that musically it's such a magical experience to engage with music as people who are creating these experiences and you know truly the most profound ways I mean, I'd add maybe a couple other people at this, this table of conversation, Porangi, Justin Beretta, you know, David Block, like a couple people that I'm like, fuck you guys too, you know, and maybe we'll all get a wizard's council together and at some point. And- Caitlin Aurelia Smith, you should yeah. check her stuff. All right, check yeah, I'm sure fantastic. there's more. I, I mean, I'm sure I there's yeah, more. But anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyways, getting this idea of of like, what is what is the potential of, of not only using sound and, and have you spent much time thinking about this element of like what is happening from a metaphysical standpoint when you're making this music well i would be fascinated to know i mean uh, i operate generally on a kind of on the on the david lynch principle of not really thinking about what you're doing just letting Mm -hmm. it happen but i like to retrospectively analyze and try and work out what's going on but i think when you bring the particular medicine of ketamine into it in my experiences listening to this as it this album as it was finished were experience of becoming pure wave pure light pure being but the the i suppose the music was like a sort of vessel you know we've all had that experience where we just don't have our bodies anymore and we are only the music so i would love to know what's actually going on there or whether there's (laughs) even perhaps you have the answers to this well we both largely in the realm of instrumental music for all intents and purpose and for mostly lyricless i mean you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and I think there's something that I find really interesting about 
just the way music can be trans-dimensional and it, it kind of builds bridges between different spaces and feelings and it just it goes straight to creating emotion and i think mm. i said this before but an like, emotion is also wave not particle right it's like, like what is like what, what is, is emotion like what is love for instance and the fact that music helps engender all these different feelings and you can kind of like as a recipe just like in a film score create different emotional states with sure. music and it's really good at it and it's a human condition because if you have the PhD in music or you're someone who knows nothing about music, you both will respond to the same piece of music the same way, emotionally. You just naturally have this response to music. It's something baked into what it means mm. to be human. And so I really like uh, when you, you stick with instrumental spaces largely, it, it's almost like it gives more room for interpretation. It's mm. more in the myth and the metaphor and when you get into psychedelic spaces, I feel like that's even more important because that's all that space is. It's the mm -hmm. ineffable in between this liminal mm -hmm. space. And the music has this ability that I also don't fully understand, but it's so clear that it's able to, it's a kind of magic almost, you know, yeah, how it works. It, it is mm -hmm. It is actual magic. And and I suppose hearing us talk about this, I'm thinking I, there, there, I would love to hear like a shamanic perspective on how this kind of this this modern music is affecting the energetic body you know i would love like to all play music, essentially that's been happening bro well no i mean i mean specifically like electronic based uh -huh. psychedelic music uh -huh. which i personally think has just you know it's just such a profoundly it just feels like it just there's just such potential you know that thing i was saying last night about the ability to build a universe and then enter inside of it but what is actually going on and i'm sure there you know i would love to hear from the traditional point of view what what is actually happening yeah what, that's a that's a what great they would what a, what a trained shaman would think of hearing that that's <laughs> a great be like, point because you know awful. right behind right behind me there yeah. is a shipibo yeah. painting and all of that art that you see that is music translated to a visual representation they're actually their sheet music yeah yeah that, that's their sheet music <laughs> yeah, of their ecos yeah, you know yeah. as they're as and that's what that's what it appears to them so they're seeing it in a certain way and the way they the way all, one commonality is there's this kind of nasal way in which they all sing their ikaros in, in a very mm. particular and they're just tapped into that frequency of that plant you go to an emboga shaman again on the other side of the wall the buiti it's you know mouth harps and these different things that are very fast-paced working with the energy of that and then it would be very interesting to hear their perspective but i would imagine that it's something that they would just feel and what we would probably mm. get out of you know a conversation mm. with maestro orlando after mm. listening to one of your album was like a nod like uh-huh there's a cultural there's a cultural relevance to it too and i think like it's meant to come from the culture we're in yeah. so it can speak to the culture at large and i think that's what's really interesting is like this this pairing that's happening between technology the tools we have to make music now and really this idea of the psychedelic space and that is new and I think what's missing and what's needed is is music that speaks sort of like a, a new Western shamanic tradition. Yeah. Not that's ignoring, it's actually like honoring everything we know, but we kind of need these tools to speak to the average person in America who just read Michael Pollan's book and is like, I'm yeah. interested in this stuff. Uh, I wanna do this, but I don't really know how. And we know that the music part of that is gonna be a really central piece to the journey itself not discounting the preparation, the integration, that sort of stuff. 
and so I think we need some tools that like speak a musical language that's familiar mm. to us. And we're like, oh, okay. I, it's using, I mean, electronic music is somewhat familiar to us and just chordal structures and mm. you know what I mean? It's, there's a, and so for some people, like a rattle or something, although that might work just fine, it could be kind of intense for them. It's sure. so unfamiliar, mm. you know? Well, tonight, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because tonight you guys are going to get uh, an opportunity to lay on this thing called the opus bed, which is a full mm -hmm. conceptual uh, haptic bed. And this is like the first prototype and it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is like, so you lay down on this full haptic bed and for people who don't know haptic bed, it has all of these in transducers, inducers, whatever the things that make the bass, the, it, the vibrational sound. It translates the bass into vibrations. You translate the bass into, into, into vibrations that you feel. Oh, okay. And there are all these different panels so you can move it up and down the whole bed and it's incredibly strong. And then you have a weighted blanket over the top oh, of wow. it. So you have a weighted blanket on this on this haptic bed and your blindfold and they're creating these taking music and then translating and they're just kind of figuring it out like this but it's a new medium of a way that you can feel music in a different way which is what was happening in the giant building we were mm. in with the reverberation mm. of everything and the size of the speakers but how the hell do you do that at home, you know? Mm. Very difficult to find one of these things. They're not that common right now, but this is like an interesting thing. So I can't wait for you guys to get on it tonight, you know, go wow. through go through some of these tracks and feel like okay, like now what about this technology wow. layered yeah. with, you know, what you guys are being able to do and of course like get your own bed and then be able to like get into the interface and if you want to, you know, obviously no pressure or anything, do whatever the fuck you want. You guys are doing incredible things. But it's just like another thing that's unlocking mm. which to me has like amazing, amazing potential for both breath work, for journeys, for just mm. meditation, but there's something so comforting, like so comforting about that vibration. Mm. You know, Dr. Dave Rabin, who's one of the leading ketamine specialists in ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, he has a watch called the Apollo watch, you know, and Rada, you're probably familiar with the Apollo, um, but it's it sends these like kind of like different pulsing vibrations on your arm. So if you feel really terrified of the dissociative nature of going into the void, like, oh my God, I'm going into the void. Where am I? Am I still around? Is this nice, warm, mm. like pulsing thing on your wrist? Like, hey, hey, it's okay. Interesting. It's okay, babe. It's like, it's, it's holding right. your We're hand. Still, it's holding it's your hand. <laughs> and this thing is like holding your whole body. Mm. It's like all of the sudden you're just supported. You're like, oh yeah, thank you. Like, all right, I'm here. And it's very like very interesting, and I think this is the this is where technology is blending both the technology that you guys are using to create the music, mm. but then actually the playback of the music is becoming an interesting technology through these like haptic channels. Mm. So I can't wait to you know have two masters like yourself <laughs> get do on do this these. together at the same time. Or is this like <laughs> there's all, there's no queen size. There's no queen size. Exactly. Sure. You could cuddle. Am I on? Yeah. Where's the <laughs> weighted blanket in this picture? <laughs> you could it's the it's the cheese, and you guys are the buns oh, okay. on your grilled okay. cheese sandwich. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just very it's very cool to to really think about the ways in which these technologies are available. And of course, the didgeridoo, people think, oh yeah, it's a wonderful instrument to play to the people. No, that's not the point of the didge. <laughs> the point is that it plays you. Mm. The didge plays you. Mm. It plays your head, it plays your body. They're playing to get themselves in a trance using their Amazing. self as an instrument. That's cool. Right, like that's the point of that instrument. It just yeah. happens to sound cool for other people. That's such a space instrument. I didn't instrument. know that. Oh my that's God. That's amazing. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. 
so this is like sound and of course chanting like oming like yeah om makes a cool sound we always think of like the sounds we make like yeah that's good for the world who's hearing the om no it's for you (laughs) it's you're making an om because it hits you right in the chest Mm, yeah that's what like awakens that heart shock and all these different tones they're for us they're like medicine for us to straighten out all of these different things Mm. so to blend that intelligence with technology with everything like this is part of this new world of all of the tools that we need to shake ourselves out of the the prisons that we're in Mm. yeah i concur and it's hard to know like the technological things like you know wearable tech that maybe we could use to read biofeedback and maybe that makes dynamic music and that stuff could work and it's all interesting and sometimes you think like the thing that's tapping your arm to remind you that you're still in space in a way there's nothing more powerful than like just a good facilitator knowing when to put their hand on your heart. Totally. You know? And there's nothing totally. that can beat that in a way. <laughs> totally. Or, or there's nothing that can just beat like just being in a forest and just like hearing those natural sounds and just being with yeah. it versus anything we could create, you know, yeah. sometimes. I was imagining like a sort of creepy robot arm coming over. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> you are stressed. Yeah. You are stressed. I will relax you. <laughs> there's a, speaking of that, I'm actually working with a, an ayahuasca shaman who's also a composer and and you know like visual artist and we have this idea working with this different vr company to he wants to create like a virtual ceremony with like the music and things but if you combine it with a wearable the your own like heart resonance your own like your pulse if you get anxious or whatever could actually change the nature of what's being fed in in real time yeah Mm -hmm. so you're really like interacting in a similar way just visually no medicine at all necessary Mm -hmm. but interacting with the vision space and sound space in a way that is very much like a like a journey so in a journey that's what's happening you know our own our own anxiousness, our own fears, our own thoughts, they manifest in the visions that we see in the quality of the thing that we get. So there's this interesting feedback loop of working through that. You take that deep sigh of surrender and acceptance and all of a sudden your skulls turn to butterflies and you're like, oh man, I wish I'd have thought of that like, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes ago before I was in the wheat thresher of dead bodies. You know, like I'm, this is way nicer to move mm. through this. And you start to learn like, okay, how do I navigate? Oh, find love even in the things that I'm scared of. Mm. And like to find, to use technology in that way, you know, could be, could be really interesting and valuable. And I'm, I'm excited about that as we move forward. It's happening. There are a lot of projects going on exploring this stuff. So, and even spatial audio, like, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Like the 8D, what are your thoughts on that? Like 8D spatial audio? Yeah, so thing? I'm um, definitely like, okay, so I was massively against um the idea that like you know there are so few companies that now control how all music is listened to it's like a two i think (laughs) and um i was so against the idea that they could just decide um okay we're not gonna stereo is a thing of the past you you know you now have to think in however many many channels is atmos i don't know 12 or something i I think it can be yeah yeah however many but it's a very different not many people have that kind of system well no and and so so that's sort of brings me to the point that to what they instead of that it just kind of bouncing down to a binaural Binaural. simulation of listening to lots of speakers when you don't have lots of speakers and that for some people could then replace the mastered finished album that you made and that for me was like terrifying because 
like if I wanted it to sound binaural, I would have made it sound binaural myself. And ninety nine point nine percent people wouldn't understand the difference between any of this. Yeah. But it just affects how they feel when right. they hear the music. Yeah. Right? And, and, and right. is it landing how you want it to land? And there's all these like re you know talk of like re remixing amazing classic tracks and then say okay now we can put the, put the vocalist in the middle like he's in the room and you know the band is playing around him and it doesn't sound the same and totally like, okay that may yeah. be it may have a place but anyway then i tried it on my album and it was great and i think because i think because it's non-vocal and because it is dimensional and you know um this isn't going to make sense to people just listening but it's like moving from speakers being here but there you know suddenly the sounds you're like right in the middle of the picture um and i think you know i think um if if they're able to roll out affordable versions of these systems then it might encourage particularly with this genre of music which is the only genre i've sort of qualified to really speak about um it could encourage a more conscious form of music listening where you where it where listening to music is enough you know obviously there's a lot of people that do that but there's a lot of people that don't do that and they might be encouraged to have a place in their house where they sit in a chair and they really just listen and music is the therapist so having heard how good it can sound when done sensitively and carefully and really it's just about moving things from here to here and here to here and having like the trebles up moving around above you and the bass physically below you all that stuff there is something amazing in that you know so mm -hmm. i'm tentatively gonna say i'm a fan of it mm -hmm. when you guys look forward you guys have made you know amazing contributions to everybody who's in the space and <clears throat> everybody in the future who will you know remember remember these albums and and be able to go back to these when you look forward to what's next like what's coming up you know, I know it's super fresh for you. By the time this podcast releases, it'll be, you know, the week of your release mm -hmm. of uh, of the album itself. And you just came out with In, which is stunning. We out. haven't given yeah. that that It'll much. be out at the end of October, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So, you know, brand, it's, this is all super fresh. And so I know I don't want to be too early to say, hey, well, what's next? You know, because you guys are still reveling in the, in the creation of this. But when you're looking out from both what you want to have emerge from yourself and what you're feeling is the next need just intuitively for the world from a musical standpoint. Like, what do you guys both see from the projects that are gonna come out of you here forward? John? <laughs> well, um, I've got a feeling that this one is gonna, is kind of turning me very radically down a different route. Um, I do also feel like I've also returned to DJing a bit recently, which um, has not really been possible for the last year and a half. And um, so I've felt the urge to start making some rhythmic music again. But overall, I think my general direction feels very different now. And I guess it a little bit depends on how this goes down and what it brings in, because I think putting out something with such a clear intention, it will bring in certain things. And I need to see how I feel about mm -hmm. what comes from it and whether I can handle it and whether it's, you know, nourishing for me as well. And um, ultimately, I un I start to understand how to answer that question by sitting in the studio and making something because definitely the highest intelligence I have is of that sort. It's definitely not in thinking ahead, you know, because I my mind is too kind of, you know, when I'm not making music, it's a little skittish and, and jumps over subjects all the time. So it, I just think it will come through, sounds kind of cheesy, but it will come through the music. It will come through what, when I sit down and sure. start playing something again, like I was saying last night, like how playing the piano centers me and, and puts me in that zone. 
that that is it's become increasingly clear to me that that's my purpose here and that I shouldn't because I went through phases of like thinking oh I need time off music and then just to focus on health and I went to put myself through a sort of boot camp of like doing insane amounts of Wim Hof breathwork every morning and and doing no music and just trying very hard to relax <laughs> mm. it didn't work it wasn't was, that though when it, we met though yeah I think I might have so been in like some ways like through that yeah you said you were taking a sabbatical from music and then I presented potentially this idea of doing this track yeah and that was I think what you was your first thing you kind of started no on. the first thing was the tiles caves piece um true that existed june um yeah. of last year that existed and I, my time off was i can't remember whether it's before or after that okay. but it was happening around that period and and it, it just felt like well you know i've been hammering at this for like 22 years and i've done all these albums and you know so much stuff and i've physically compromised myself through doing that and i really need to recover and I'd be, you know, just touring itself is just, it's very hard to do in a healthy way because, you know, if you've just got off a plane and it's like <clears throat> your your levels of willpower and resistance to things that are going to help you feel better immediately are just lower than ever. They would already be low for me after a hard day of work. But if you add a flight to that and mm-hmm. airport transfers, all the shit that comes with touring, you know, that drink is calling loudly. <laughs> so I just needed a break from everything and I just thought music, I just kind of threw music out for a bit, not very long, you know, and then, um, and then, yeah, this was the thing that the, something in my head just kind of said, you remember those recordings from Ecuador? Remember you're supposed to write that piece. And then, um, and then the album began actually from that, mm. from that kind of void of, of feeling like shit. I mean, a lot of musicians I know had a very similar experience of just stopping for a while and some of them felt better. I, I definitely did not. And, one of the one of the intentions just for my own well being is to learn how to just try and do it for pleasure a bit. Because this album I thought maybe was gonna be just a thing I did for pleasure, perhaps. But that's why it's so good. It was ple- <laughs> yeah, and in yeah. fact it was incredibly pleasurable. But pleasure's not really the word, but um nourishing, maybe. Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a trap that a lot of artists get and they know that their art comes from a deep place of suffering. You know, like there's no I never write more poetry than when mm. I'm completely heartbroken mm-hmm. or like something intense is going on sometimes there's a beautiful inspiration that comes from an experience and things mm-hmm. like that but i think a lot of artists have that where that well of energy mm-hmm. then is able to be transmuted into art and this is the process of alchemy but you're starting with this pool of of just fuel of energy of mm-hmm. resources that if you channel it into whatever way that your mouth is formed to make that scream that allows it to release whether it's words or music or art or painting or anything like that you know that it's beautiful and i think for an artist it could be an easy trap to say like well i could really get myself into a really peaceful equanimous place and but what happens to my art (laughs) you Mm. know like what happens to the art at that point yeah it's tricky because i haven't found a way to balance the two i haven't found a way to balance looking after myself physically like I do a lot of healthy stuff. I do a lot of breath work and, and training and um, saunas and, you know, a lot. but I also do a lot of stuff that just I need to do to calm myself down after mm-hmm. working. And I don't know how to, like the amount of energy that pours into that music, particularly the upbeat stuff, but it actually turns out it was just the same with this album. It's just, I'm like wired, like I've got a fucking electric cord mm-hmm. right up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's amazing, but what happens when it's 10 p.m. and, you know, what am I supposed to do now? Sure. And, and I haven't, well, even with all these techniques, yeah, I mean, I've been doing TM for six years. I can make myself feel, I can make my mood great, 
I can breathe myself happy. I can, mm. but it it isn't calming. The nervous system is so jacked up by music and and also the world around my sensitivity to the world around. I haven't learned that balance. So I guess what I was trying to do in that month was learn that balance. But I'm still, yeah, that seems to be the challenge that still faces me. You and most of us. Yeah, <laughs> you're not alone. I mean, a lot of it is just the world, right? The way yep. there's this, the level of stimulation, and you know, that's out there. Fasting, all forms of fasting, is proven to help me. But mm. yeah, yeah. How about you? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to honestly more. F- this this collaboration has been extremely nourishing for me. I've done different collaborations over the years, but I'm looking forward to more of that because I learned so much. I mean, just I, just just being seeing a different perspective. Uh, I learned so much and it challenges like ideas I have musically and, and actually on all levels, like to, how to be an artist. And I want to do more of that. I'd be honored to do anything more with John forever. Uh, <laughs> and and I just, it really has inspired me to think bigger about like what happens when what I do and what I bring to the table meets and is challenged by other ideas. And I want more of that because I think I can see now how it will better my offering. I think it's needed at this point in time for me and I'm looking forward to those opportunities. So that's that's what excites me is like what sort of just occurred and how mm. we both kind of got out of the way so much and just sort of just all happened. It's like, mm. that's so awesome. And then on top of that, it's like, you know, I got to see so many things I never would have seen before or realized about my own work. Just seeing, I mean, I can't tell you what a dream it is. Like I've been a fan of John for a long time. <laughs> and, um, you know, and to, to call him a friend is, is I'm ecstatic about it. But to, you know, to send, when John said, you know, we, we say, hey, let's do this Ramdas track, sounds good. And he says, why don't you start something and send it my way and I'll take over. I'm like, no problem. And I hang up the phone, I'm like, holy shit, I have to make a song. And I thought to myself, the way I have to do this is like every song, it's like, don't think about it. Yeah, Just but- make noise and recognize whatever you're gonna send him is not gonna be like some perfect, amazing piece. Right. It needs to just be step one. And I knew he knew that. And I, so it was like getting out of the way of things like that. And and then to have it, have you take those things I had made and watch you do your thing, you get to see like a different perspective on your own ideas. And like, I never thought of that. Why haven't I ever thought of that? That's such a great idea musically. And now that's just a new color in your palette of inspiration. Mm. And so that's really, really exciting to me. Um, the other thing I'm excited about is in the psychedelic therapy space with music is this idea of access. And I'm really interested in how we can bring these tools and experiences to people who maybe wouldn't normally be able to do this, whether it's for economic reasons, or social justice reasons, or a variety of reasons. And so we have a, a project we're working on called Journey Space that's about online facilitated journeys with music. Mm. And you do them in groups online, the costs can go way down. Um, and we're working through sort of the spear tip of the legality of it, but I think there's there's a way to do it. And so we're launching this this platform and cultivating musicians to say, hey, you could guide a journey uh, from start to finish. And so it's we're also building more musicians to kind of create in that space and sort of cultivate that style of music. And then hopefully also give access for people to come on a platform like Journey Space and 
and maybe have an experience that's safer that they're probably going to do anyway, but it's probably better if there's someone mm-hmm. there to help. Yeah. That's yeah. a good kind of general point, Beautiful. I think. On yeah. <laughs> they're going to do it anyway, but it's better to have some help. Some yeah. Practice. And, and yeah. these music tools are, I think, awesome helps. And a lot of people don't even know that will help them mm. until they get into the space. And yeah, I mean, so, in, all, in all the science reporting, which is obviously wonderful and positive, that you, you look for the word music, you will not find it. And it's like... like Mendel Kalin is one of the only people exactly. who's been so, doing research. And Our friend Mendel Kalin, he's uh-huh. a neuroscientist that um, actually came with me on the Taos expedition to Ecuador. And um, yeah, he was studying the effects of music on the brain in psychedelics. And he's he started a company called Wave Paths, which I couldn't recommend strongly enough. He's gathered... Have you contrib- we, we both have we've contributed, both contributed to, it, yeah. to this. And what it is, is sort of, it's driven by AI, but it's actually music pulled from a wide range of artists in in the psychedelic and and sort of healing music genre and and the ai is you can basically the, the therapist can guide where the mood goes in the music so you can go okay we need to deepen or we need to intensify or we need to go you know calm calmer or whatever and he's uh, he has a lot he has like really good taste in music so you listen to it and, it and you can have it on its most minimal mode in the background just as ambient music in your house and it's so good and yeah. it's never the same because it's just expanding the pool of musicians in it, and um, but also you can get super intense with it. So, so therapists, um, and I believe that some ketamine clinics are already using it, so they can sit there and they can go, right, this person needs that's cool. Dial up the uh, intent, the the grueling yeah, dial <laughs> factor, up the gruel. more, more gruel. pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. More pain. <laughs> Turn that up to nine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah, I would I recommend everyone checking that out. It's amazing. In is going to be released at the time of this album so check it out all places where music is found i suppose yeah and music for psychedelic therapy also incredible i can't recommend these uh these more some as i said some of the most profound musical and just experiences period of my life have come from you two gentlemen so i'm forever grateful and uh, on behalf of the world forever grateful for all of the work that you guys are doing it's been incredible also for uh if you guys are interested in that bed that i was talking about uh the website is feel opus so go to feelopus.com. you can check it out and uh maybe these guys if they're inspired you'll uh, you'll hear them drop some of their tracks through <laughs> this through this fucking portal at some <laughs> point down the line feels, we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah. we will see how it goes um Thank you so much, y'all. And thank you for the support. That that was a great event. And just over the years, man, thanks for supporting all this work. Of course. Yeah, yeah I course. echo that. Thank so, you so it's much. what we're here for. Yeah. It's what we're here yeah. for. And it and it comes from just really, like, I, I love life and people mm-hmm. and the world. Like, I, I, at the bottom, at the very core of everything, like, this is the place of transcendence. Just, fuck, it's amazing. Like, this world is amazing. Let's keep it going. Let's play the infinite game. <laughs> Let's love each other. Let's live. I want my kids 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 to be able to jump off waterfalls and go fishing in the ocean Mm. and you know live the life that we know is possible and so we got some work to do to make sure that that happens dreaming it up together that's right that's right and sitting around the fire (laughs) that's all there is to do (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much y'all and thanks everybody for tuning in Thanks for tuning into this podcast with John Hopkins and East Forest. The new album, Music for Psychedelic Therapy, will be available everywhere coming up on Friday, November 12th. Make sure you give it a listen, save it on your phone. And if you're one of those types that likes to have your own medicine journeys, I highly recommend utilizing this for your medicine journey. Of course, 
Not recommending you do a medicine journey, just recommending that if you do, you give this a go because it's absolutely stunning. And once again, it's called Music for Psychedelic Therapy and it's by John Hopkins, contributed to by East Forest. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.